Authentic Life with Josiah Ball. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, just a reminder for you listening, we have merch. Merch store is up. Uh, you can go into helloimjosiah.com uh, and see the link for the merch store. Every piece of merch helps uh, helps this podcast do what it does. And uh, would love to uh, see you all rocking it, posting it up on the Instas. Uh, it'd be great. And uh, that'd be great. And uh, yeah, go and check that out. Uh, link for that is also in the description of this episode. Uh, about this episode, wow. Um, great conversation with uh, Doug Johnson or Douglas Johnson. And just incredible warm-hearted man and i just when you just hear him speak you're just gonna melt uh just hearing the love of god that he has um that he just portrays uh he has written a book with bob muncie robert muncie on being spiritual fathers and what that looks like and how that is we go into a little bit of discussion on that but he said some things that are just so so incredibly um moving and i know you're going to enjoy this episode at the end of the episode, we have a new segment, of course, uh, for this season called Pick and Flick. And in this episode, we talk about Gran Turismo that I just saw last week. Uh, you're going to love this uh, uh, movie and this review of the movie as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. And here is an interview with Douglas Johnson. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Your Authentic Life. Today, I have a special guest on today, um, a lot of mutual friends and relationships. And uh, before we even started recording, we uh, were kind of uh, talking about the different relationships that we have, and it's really cool. But we have uh, Doug Johnson with us today, uh, just talking about many different things uh, from uh, the new book he co-authored with uh, Bob Muncie and uh, just some experiences he's had with the Lord. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Doug. Thank you, Josiah. Happy, Happy. to be here. Tickled yeah. to, to be a part of what uh, God is doing in your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm again, uh, I was saying like honored that you're taking the time here to uh, be on the episode with me. So how so what, what's going on uh, in your life currently? Well, I'm um, retired pastor. All right. Three years ago, and now I'm technically an itinerant for uh, ANGA, Apostolic Network of Global Awakening, under Randy Clark. Nice. So, you know, I still do some traveling, you know, men's retreats, and, you know, I'm speaking to different churches that, that I have a relationship with. Yeah. And I do a lot of good good fishing. I live down in Ocean City, Maryland, so uh, I go out on the beach and do some surf fishing. I have a little boat, so... You know, I have a great life. I mean, it sounds it. I am just so blessed and so favored. That's amazing. Uh, I think the the greatest aspect of my life now, just turned seventy, been in ministry for forty two years, is uh, to be an influencer. Mm. And you know, in in the scripture, you know, Paul said this. He said that there's many teachers but few fathers. Yeah. And um, so I think that I'm at the point in my life where I want to be a father. I want to influence the uh, younger generation as well as anyone that would, you know, listen to my heart. Yeah. Because, you know, when you've been walking with the Lord for decades, um, you know, there's some things that you acquire that can only be acquired through experience. And, yeah. you know, um, Robert Muncy, a good friend of mine, we just co-authored a book called uh, Spiritual Fathers. You can get on Amazon. Yeah. And uh awesome. it's it's about um and first you have to be a spiritual son first before you become a spiritual father. Mm. So sonship is the key to being a spiritual father. And I think that that's part of the heart of Paul is that we need fathers in the church more than ever because we have many, many teachers. Right. And that's a point in my life where probably when I was your age, I thought it was more important for me to be right than anything else. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't really care about being right any longer. I just want to know him. I want to know the father more intimately. You know, that's awesome. I, I just want more of him. And so I'm always open for, yeah. for more correction or more knowledge of truth. And that's really what I'm after. But I want to be an influencer as, you know, as a father to, uh, yeah. to whoever 
you know, I can and be that too. So that's awesome. So yeah. many, people, many people just call me Papa Doug now, you know, I love that. So, and I only get calls when they're, you know, when there's conflict, you know, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens when you're a father or, or mother, right? right? The right. kids call when they need me, need help, which they need I help. Yeah. I enjoy doing. So, so like I said, I just, uh, you know, finished this book all about six months ago. We've been working on it for a couple of years and we started it in, uh, early in 2020, 2020, and then I ended up coming under um, a, a really bad sickness through COVID wow. and uh, almost died. In fact, the uh, doctors came in uh, to the hospital room and, you know, I'm all wired up and they're pushing oxygen on me and put my wife's like, he's not going to make it another day or two. Wow. And so, you know, they, they thought I was off to see Jesus sooner than I thought, but miraculously, um, God showed up and in a big, big way yeah. and pulled me out of the depths of death for a season. I know that I'll be meeting Mr. Death at one point, but not today. And <laughs> I'm really excited about being alive and, and having the ability, um, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, I feel like I'm just really strong now in the Lord. Yeah. Physically, I go to the gym every other day. That's you know, awesome. And so for an old man, I'm in really good shape. I mean, you know, yeah, I, you know, so I love being alive and I love, uh, have the opportunity to just share the heart of the father, his character, his purposes, mm-hmm. and, you know, both, um, experientially and doctrinally, I think that doctrinally the church has a long ways to go in understanding who the father is. And if I may, while I'm plugging books, I like to plug a dear, a uh, friend of mine, Dr. Harold Everly. Yes. He just, and this is his third edition. It's three volumes. Wow. And he just does a great, great job uh, revealing the father son relationship, which is really what I'm all about. Yeah, me too. And what I love about Harold, he says, let's not build doctrines on things that the Bible doesn't really show us clearly. So, mm-hmm. you know, being a preacher and a teacher, a pastor, you know, when you're preaching and teaching every Sunday, sometimes you have to fill in the blanks, but but sometimes you can get outside of of uh, really what the Bible says. So yeah. that's what I love about Harold. Let's let's just build our doctrines upon what the Bible really says. And if it doesn't say it, let's just say we don't know. Yep. That's, that's a mystery. So that's what I love about Harold. But really recommend that those uh, three volumes of uh, systematic theology from yeah. a biblical perspective. Awesome. So, anyway, that's that's my advertisements for today. But Anyway. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I had, um, uh, Martin Trench on not too long ago. Oh, I love Martin. Um, he's incredible. And, you know, he said a similar thing to you cause we were talking about, uh, his book on, um, spiritual, uh, maturity, spiritual formation and, um, right. uh, the secrets to spiritual, uh, formation, I believe the title right. or something, something along those lines. And he was talking about how, you know, you had the babies, the youth right. and, and right. Um, you're spiritually mature adults, us fathers, you know, he's uh, talking right. about the youth and the fathers. And he said the same thing um, that you said, like, you know, I, I, you know, when you're, when you're in youth, your spiritual youth, all you care about is being right. And yeah. You know, so people come to me all the time, like, Oh, this atonement theory, this atonement goes, he goes, he's like, well, I could see, I could see now everything like you know within he goes i just i just want to fall in love with jesus now like that stuff doesn't matter to me and like i'm like man that is so encouraging to be like why do we get so defensive in this stuff and just be able to like get in a place where like oh i just want to be with the father i just want to melt in his lap i just want to be in his presence and fall greater in love with him yeah. Well, one of the greatest rebukes and the best rebukes I ever received, I was preaching years ago. And again, my friend, Tim Thomas, he's the, I've known him as the first Christian I met, you know, 40 some years ago, 45 years ago. Awesome. Tim, Tim's also a pastor. And I was so like, when I first started, especially when I began to look at victorious eschatology, when I been, began to look at, you know, different things like the penal substitution theory mm-hmm. and, and, you know, aspects of, eternal consciousness. I mean, a lot of really big issues that I, I really struggled with yeah. in terms of, because I see, I've met the father personally, like I was born again, baptized in the Holy spirit. Mm. And, you know, for 20 years, I just ran as hard as I could. And I almost fell in exhaustion, you know, trying to be, you know, a good 
disciple and then up i met the father yeah but in the midst of all this churning in my heart i was so adamant about they're wrong they're no that can't be correct you know i i've met the father that's not he's not like that he's not angry he's not bad he's good he's in a good mood as bill Jeff would say yeah and and so tim came up to me after service one day and he's a very gentle guy he goes he goes pastor he says i love what you're teaching but he goes you get so angry that people can't hear the truth why don't you mm. just speak what you believe and not be angry and point fingers at the people that don't believe the way you do and man, wow. I'm telling you, it was like God speaking to my heart, like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. You're exactly right, because I love all my brothers and sisters, even though I don't agree with them. There's yeah. a lot of things, doctrine, theologically, that I just don't think the Bible talks about. Right. But that's, that doesn't mean that I, you know, I'm not required to love them and care for them. And they're all right. lifting Jesus up. I asked, asked one time I was praying, I said, Holy Spirit, you know, how can these people that, at least in my opinion... <laughs> Uh, are wrong right <laughs> in my estimation how can how can you still move and 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 you know bless their ministries it's right. just because they, they lift up my son jesus wow. so as long as we're lifting jesus up that's my only requirement you know yeah, absolutely i'm i'm okay sorry about that it was actually no, robert good. that was actually robert muncie calling oh yeah awesome we'll have to get him on the podcast he was oh yeah he's like. great so. i love robert so anyway you know, I'm at the point now, yeah, I want to influence people. And I'm, I'm at the point, like, I, this is what I think I know right now. You know, right. like, I've been reading yeah. this for many, many years, studying it. You know, it's all, you know, marked yeah. up. And, you know, I love the Word of God. I love theology. I love doctrine. And, uh, but I'm at the point now, it's like, I can tell you, this is what I think I know is true. Okay. You know, and then I can tell you some things. I'm absolutely, absolutely know they're true. And I know, I know one thing. That the Father, He is so full of grace and love, mm. and mercy. You know, I love that scripture where, you know, like a broken reed, He will not break, and yeah. you know, a flickering candle, He will not extinguish. I mean, that's the heart of the Father. He's just so good. And yeah, He's angry about sin. I mean, I'm a, I'm a great father. I'm a great grandfather. And when my kids or my grandkids get into something that they're not, should not be getting into, I get very angry about it. Yeah. But my heart is for them, full of love and care to love them and, and take care of them. So that's really what I do know about the father that he isn't an angry God. He's not, he's not full of wrath. Mm. You know, he does have emotion. He, he is a, a um, very intimate, personal, relational, loving person that, you know, if we're creating the image of God and we as, as flawed human beings, flawed fathers, flawed sons, you know, mm -hmm. if we can love so intimately with yeah. our with our children, with our wives, with people that we love, then how much more can we we know because we're made in his image that the father loves us in the same way. Mm. So that's I I met the father many, many years ago in Toronto. And that was, you know, when Brownsville was going on. You you're probably yeah. just a kid then, right? Oh yeah. How yeah. how old are you? I'm 30. You're 30 years old. You're just yeah. a little whippersnapper. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, this is like 20 years ago. So, you're probably 10 years old. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I remember anyway. it, though. I remember we had people from our church going up there because, you know, right. right in Rochester, Syracuse. Right. You're close. I grew up. So, like, people yeah. from our church was going there all the time. So, yeah. And so, uh, I was at the place in my ministry where it was dry. I was tired. And I was, at that point, I was a, uh, a worship pastor at a big church and a bunch of people went to Toronto and it, it really hurt the church. Actually, it kind of blew it up. Some people were pro and some people were against it. And, mm. and my wife was on one side, I was on the other. We almost, you know, it was really hard on our marriage. And finally I said, honey, let's just go up and see if God can't help us out, you know, with the church, with the, our relationship. Wow. And it was the first father father's love conference. I can't remember the year. I think it's 97. And, you know, I, I went up just like, God, I just need, I just need you, man. Mm. And John Arnett came around and just touched me on the forehead. Bless him, Lord. I don't know if you know John, but he's just very yeah. calm. And I told my wife, I said, man, I, I feel kind of dizzy. I said, I think I need to sit down. I sit down on the floor and all of a sudden for, I'm on flat on my back. And like for 45 minutes, this liquid something, it, it was 
it, I felt it. It wasn't just like I'm, I'm in a dream or in a trance. I physically felt like something flowing over me. Wow. And it was just pure love. And I, that's where I met the father for the you know first time. I experienced his love. And when I came out of that, like, oh, my gosh, everything changed. My eyes opened. I realized some of the mistakes I'd made in my marriage and raising my children, everything. Wow. And I just I just did a 180 flip. I, you know, I always tell people. I'm going to borrow this from Leif Hetland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not parrots, we're eagles. Well, I was a parrot. So all I did, because, you know, I'm really, I've always been a type of person, I want to submit to authority. You know, I yeah. want to be under, of course, I'm under the Lord. But, and so I just, whatever they told me that was truth, that's what I would teach, you know? Yeah. Teach and preach. And, but it wasn't like I encountered the truth. I'm just acquired a lot of knowledge about the truth. And there's a difference between acquiring knowledge about the truth. And many people can acquire much knowledge and speak on lectures and, you know, PhDs do the time, but yeah. there's a difference between knowing about a subject, but actually knowing, you know? Yeah. And, absolutely. And, so, and so, you know, I could have taught about God as a father and et cetera, et cetera, but I never encountered him. And so when I encountered him, then I begin to say, Oh gosh, some of the things that I've been told is truth doesn't, and pardon my word, feel, but I'm a feeler. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. Like, and so I begin. So I, that's really where I begin becoming a theologian, because um, I was primarily more of an evangelist than anything. And uh, so I really begin to study, like, why why does this doctor not feel comfortable to my heart? And then I would study and study, and you know. So then I came to conclusions like, gosh, I don't believe this any longer. Wow. I believe in this doctrine of, and, and so I didn't know exactly why. So then I began to search the scriptures and found out that, well, number one, I always tell people don't trust anybody except Jesus read the yeah. red first. But if I didn't have Jesus to talk to, then I would talk to John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause John, John was the closest, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a Jonathanian theologian so anyway i just fell in love with john and i think john in terms of all the gospels and all the writers in the new testament period in the entire bible john is the one that really got the closest to the truth so so then i really began to study john and and found out like oh my gosh john believes what i believe yeah you know perfect love does cast out fear because fear has to do with punishment yeah you know i i can remember teaching a high school class and sunday school and you know, I'm I'm preaching on hell and the rapture. And this one young man, he might have been 13 or 14, young kid, began to weep. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that, oh my gosh, you know, I love Jesus. Was he was I scared? I'm sure. I scared him to death. Wow. I remember that moment that it broke my heart, like, wow, is this what the gospel is supposed to do? Is to make young people afraid and fearful, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I know there's a lot of scriptures on that, you know, you don't want to fall in the hands of, you know of a consuming fire, but the consuming fire is a fire of love yeah. that disintegrates that which the enemy tries to use against it to destroy us. And so that's why I love John when he said, yeah, now I get it. It's not about being punished. It's about coming into the father's house yeah, and, and receiving his resources and his inheritance that um, lift us up above the consequences of our sin. Because really, you think about this, all forgiveness is, and you know this as you study, one of the, one of the words for forgiveness is just to lift off. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, lift it off. You, and just I can just picture this guy that's a, you know, supposed to be a marathon runner, and he's trying to win the race, but he's got this big backpack of weights on. Right. You know, and it's like, well, why would, you know, why would God allow him to carry that if he was destined to be a marathon runner, he would say, let me pick that off of you, son, because yeah. I want you to run with all that I've given you to run. I want you to win the race. So forgiveness and its key from the father's heart is to lift off the consequences of our sin that we yeah. can really be about the destiny he's given to us and be about his business. Yeah. So when I began to teach about the father's love, it was more just get on the father's lap and let him hug and kiss you, which you have to, if you can't, if you're afraid to get up on your father's lap, then you need to study John a little bit and, mm-hmm. and read my book, read my book. Yeah. And, you know, but as you really understand the heart of the father, 
is that once you're on his lap and you receive his unconditional love and you just really find out that he is, he is so passionately in love with you. When you get to that point, then he says, okay, son, now off, out of my lap, get off my knee, be about my business. Mm. And that's when you can truly be about the father's business is when you understand what Jesus first took, heard when he came out, you know, and was baptized. He goes, this is yeah. my son and whom well pleased. And so, you know, Josiah, when you hear the father say to you, Josiah, I'm well pleased with you. Mm. you know, it just, your heart swells up. You go, I just want to follow you, you know, yeah. and be a good disciple, which is what Jesus was really trying to talk about. Here's a, here's a scripture. Here's my ministry scripture. I want to read it to everyone. Yeah. So like, to me, this is foundational. So John says, we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding in order that we might know him. Who's him? The father. Father, yeah. Who is true? The father. And we are in him. The father, who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Mm. Right? That's why John said, this is eternal life that you might know the father and the son, Jesus Christ. So this, this knowledge of knowing the father's heart is so important because understanding his love and understanding his heart avails us to ministry and the voice that we speak as we are teachers, as we're teachers, as we're ministers, whether it's it's in uh, as a pastor or just living life as a business person. If you're if you're if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then then the goal as a son is to reveal who the Father really is. That's yeah. why Jesus came. That's what John said. The reason Jesus came is to reveal the Father and who He really, really is. Yeah, and so Not sonship they made up him to be right so sonship is about revealing the father you can't wow. and so being a son is you have to have intimacy with the father so that you can properly represent him as god almighty yeah and then as you become a son eventually josiah you're going to become a father yeah and you'll be fathering your own children do you have children yet not yet nope well, i won't One prophesy day. to you but all right but at some point, though, as you're as you're walking in sonship, there'll be a point point in your life that you'll become a father, which is what you know Trench was talking about. Yeah, there's, there's different realms that we we walk in as we as we are disciples. So I'll always be a disciple. Yeah, I'll always be a son, but now I'm a father. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and you know, going back to the when he says, you know this is my son who I'm well pleased. Like um, I feel like a lot of, you know, evangelical Christians today believe that that's something they'll hear, but when they pass on from this life to right. the next. And um, I just, I, you know, that's really the stuff that was, I wasn't feeling. I said, okay, I believe this, right. but like, I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me fully. I'm like, I feel like Jesus came, the veil was torn we have access to God. Like, why would he wait until we're, you know, stepping into that realm right. physically to tell us that, you know, right. and, and that, that was always my thought that battle I have, because, you know, right. you don't want to be wrong when you right. have that thought, you don't, you know, like, right. what can we do? So when we, we get to heaven one day, right. we hear that, right. you know, like, you know, there's that fear of the, you know, the separation of the, the goats and um or the yeah the, the goats and the sheep right. and that fear like oh where are you going to be when you die and like that was a constant driver like and now you're doing right. things rather out of a place of sonship out of a place right. of um fear to have that son that you that right. you may or may not have that sonship right well i'll tell you i've been thinking a lot about the fear of god and it's like my definition of the fear of god has changed because we have to have the fear of god yeah, but the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. But the beginning of wisdom is what John was trying to say. This is why Jesus came mm. to reveal the Father. Right. And so for me, that when I encounter the Father from an experiential relationship, and I know it, like I was brought up very conservative, like you don't go by emotions, you don't go by feelings, you just go by the Word of God. And I mm. agree with that. I mean, the plumb yeah. line of any relationship with with god has to be the scriptures yeah absolutely but that doesn't mean that as we align ourselves up with the scriptures that we're not to have an experiential relationship 
Mm. Right. And that's actually what when John said, or Jesus said, John recorded it, said, This is eternal life that you might know the Father and the Son Jesus Christ. That word know, I think in the Greek is gnosko. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it actually taught it, it's actually the word actually points to an experiential relationship, just not knowledge. It's the same word that when the when the angel came to Mary and said, Hey, guess what? You know, you're pregnant with God, you know, like she goes, well, I've never knew a man, right. you know, or the same word when the lady had the issue of blood, she felt it drain away. She felt it drain away. In other words, it's an experiential feeling relationship. Yeah. And, and I, and I am so adamant that that's something that we need to begin to teach and encourage people to say, yes, we have to line everything up with the, with the scriptures. But the whole point is, is what John said in, John 5 39, you search the scriptures thinking and then you might find life, but you won't come to me. Well, that's wow. the whole point because yeah. Jesus says, I, I want to show you the father. So you got to come, you know, like no one comes to the father except through Jesus, but no one knows the father except who Jesus reveals him to. Exactly. The father only, now get this, this is really good, Josiah, about sonship. The father only, the father only trusts the son. To reveal him as father. That's wow. the goal of discipleship, the sonship, is that we correctly know the father intimately. So as we share him as sons, they might know who he truly is. And that's a great responsibility. And if we don't nasco him, if we don't know him experientially, mm-hmm. more than just information or knowledge, then the voice that we carry in our ministries might not be correct. And I'm not saying I've got this all figured out, but I'm just saying that my voice now is predicated upon my experiential relationship with the Father. Yeah. And it's what consumes my heart now. And that's that's what I want to do as I influence people. That's why I wrote this book with, with Robert, was yeah. to help people understand the heart of the Father. So anyway, now I'm preaching, aren't I? No, I love it. I can't help it. myself, but my heart, my heart is just being, you know, being overwhelmed with like love right now. I just feel that. And it's, it's, you know, just such a good reminder constantly and to even surround myself with people like-minded like this, because it's like, right. oh man, I, I just, I just feel that love right. from God, just even yeah. just talking about it. And that was my point. Like the fear of God, like for me, the fear of God is I'm motivated because of his great love in me. And the love that he's given me for other people is like, why would I want to transgress against you? Right. I mean, the, the fear of God is I, I don't want to do anything to disappoint my father because he's well pleased with me. Mm, you know? And that. for me, now this is me personally, I can tell when I get off track, mm-hmm. relationally, emotionally, uh, whatever it is, even with my wife, it's like I, I can feel... And I'm not saying I'm just walking in the presence of God and it's all glorious every moment, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. But I can tell, I can tell there's a distance and it's, it's not him leaving. It's me leaving him yeah. because I'm, I'm not, I'm not walking by his heart. And to me, that puts fear in my heart yeah. when I, when I say like, Oh my gosh. So that I'll, I'll, okay, Lord, what happened? And then he'll show me like, well, you know, you kind of had that attitude mm-hmm. and you, you want it your way. You didn't, you really weren't willing to lay your life down. Like I've asked you to, yeah, I know. I know father like, well, okay. Like for instance, um, I was, I do a teaching on, on the, the wrath of God. And that's a great subject. It's, it's big yeah. subject, but, but part of, I think it's in um, Hebrews 12, where he says that he disciplines every son. He, he, he loves, and of course, the, the English translation makes it really kind of harsh. It's almost like he's taking you out to the woodshed and beating you to death, you know. Yeah. But actually, that that word, uh, he disciplines you as a as a son. It's actually padaya, which is it's it's disciplining a child. And you go back, and I think it's in Proverbs three where that quote comes from. If I'm mm-hmm. correct, I'd have to look at my notes. But but the word actually. In, in the Greek came out of a uh, Aramaic word mm-hmm. and the Aramaic word meant to discipline them that, you know, every, he, he disciplines every son he loves. The, the word discipline was, was framed around this concept of bringing one into the light. In other words, an aha moment. Mm-hmm. 
So discipline of the father is to bring you to a place like, aha, now I know your heart. Now I know your will. Now I know where I've lost connection with you. You see, wow. and that's where the fear of God, you know, should be yeah. that you come to the place where you, you stop getting those aha moments, yeah. you know, and it's a relational disconnection. So, so I always tell people, I love the discipline of the Lord because I know when he's disciplining me as a son, I'm going to come into an aha moment, a greater revelation of his love, which yeah. is makes me want to go shout at the, out of the housetop. So it's such good news. Everything about this is good news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, you talking like about this reminds me of, I've told this story before, you know, to my youth when I was a youth pastoring of how, you know, my earthly father, um, my dad, Chris Ball, he, when I turned 18, I went to a party and I, I, I really didn't drink at all through high school, but for some reason at this party, I decided to, right. and I got, I got, you know, blackout drunk that night. And I was like, I cannot tell my dad fear, you know, like I'm like right. Adam and Eve hiding in the bush right. and then the next Just morning, where are you? Right. The next morning, my dad asked me to mow the lawn. So I, I'm like, you know, hungover, never experienced this before in my life. And I start turn on the lawnmower and I just, everything comes out of me. Um, not to be too explicit, but you know, I, right. you know, threw up all over myself right. and then call my dad up because he was at the church and said, I can't mow the lawn. I'm sorry. I, you know, got drunk last night and I'm very ill. Um, I probably didn't say it like that because I was 18. Right. Um, but, uh, he comes home and goes, okay, we'll talk about this later. You know? And I'm like, in horror because I'm like, I just totally, you know, disobeyed the law. I disobeyed my parents. I disobeyed right. like what God was saying, you know, all this stuff. And then he sits me down. I remember it was in our computer room. He goes, so did you, what did you learn? I said, I learned that I probably shouldn't do that. And he goes, all right. He goes, he goes, there's a way to do it. And there's a way not to do it. And right. you, you didn't do it right. And yeah. And that was like discipline enough to be like that. That right. love was like, okay, I see it. Like you love me. You were glad right. I didn't die. You were glad I didn't, it wasn't right. worse, but right. you, you helped me see my mistake right. Right. to do better. Yeah. And that's the difference between a teacher and a father. Yeah. You know, so a teacher will tell you why you, you know, how wrong you were, why you shouldn't have did it. But a father will tell you how you should do it. Wow. And that yeah. is the heart of the father. Amazing. Yeah, it is. Amazing. That's so good. So yeah. good. Well, I bet your so dad's really proud of you. Yeah, I think, I hope so. I think so. Yeah. so uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I've had him on here a couple times. And yeah. so um, I wrote a, I wrote a book called Authentic You, Living Out the Masterpiece Life. Um, nice. Kind of my journey of this um, topic of being, you know, walking in identity as a son, as a masterpiece. Right. Um, going away from the ideal of we are nothing but dirt that's, right. you know, and going into the idea of how God actually sees us and loves us and being able right. to walk that out. Um, right. And he had a huge part uh, uh, in that with, um, you know, just showing me God's love. And uh, there's a, he, he forwarded it, um, wrote the forward in it. And it's just, it's a really great, um book i think it's the only one i've written so far i'm working on a second one but it's uh i'm you know it's definitely in that vein of like you got the authentic you is not just somebody like oh you know this is just me take me as i am no it's the authentic you is right the person that god has called you to be and he sees you as right and that's why your podcast is called authentic Authentic life yep right that's wonderful Yeah. yeah i remember I didn't realize till years later what I had really received when I had encountered the father's love in Toronto. And I've, I've probably had five or six major, major encounters, my calling mm-hmm. back in the ministry and, and many, many stories. But I, I was with um, Randy Clark. This is way back. This is almost, gosh, 18 years ago, 2005. Mm-hmm. We were in India. And, you know, to go with, with Randy, you have to go, go through a, a a notebook and learn the five prayer steps model and deliverance models. And, you know, yeah. you, you learn all this stuff and we're in this big crusade, 50,000 people, and this young woman flips over the boundaries. It was a roped area in front of the stage, took her, took six men 
to grapple her and get her away. And we end up, she was possessed. Mm. She wasn't a Christian. She was a Hindu. And they, you know, if you travel with Randy, you've got a healing tent and a deliverance tent. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, I'm, I've always been fascinated with the deliverance side of it. So I would, I would always go to the deliverance tent and I'd had a few encounters. I was in Cuba with uh, Leif Etlin. Did, I did a little bit of deliverance, but for the most part, I'm a novice. I'm a newbie. So they had all the big names with mm-hmm. Randy and they spent two or three hours trying to get this young girl delivered. Mm. And it would take two men to hold her down and then the interpreter and whoever was doing the ministry. And I'm like, I'm just standing watching. I'm just trying to learn like, okay, that's not working. That's not working. I know we did the seven step model. We did it all right. You know, I'm, I'm going through my notes and like, yeah, they're, they're doing it right. And they called in Will Hart, who's a dear friend of mine. Great guy. And, and uh, Will was starting to, to minister and, the, the girl, well, the demon reached out and called him by the face. He goes, all right, I'm done. Doug, you're in charge. I'm going, what? You can't put me in charge. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you're in charge. I'm done with that. So here I am, right? I'm looking yeah. at this young girl, and you can see two eyes, the demon eyes and her eyes. And I'm like, you know, because look into their eyes and get their cooperation. And I'm doing all the steps. You know, the, by the blood and the authority in Jesus' name, I'm I'm reciting scriptures and nothing worked. I'm like, I'm into this like maybe 20 minutes. I'm sweating bullets, you know. Yeah. And and finally, I just gave up. I said, well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, if all these big name guys can't do it, who am I to think that I can get this girl delivered? Wow. So I just stopped. And for just for a moment, I stopped and looked at her. And I realized like, oh, my gosh, I just revelation. I know it's Holy Spirit. It is revelation. My God, I've been looking at the demon all this time. I ever got to look at her. Oh, wow. And I had a daughter about that age at that time. And all of a sudden, I just looked at, at this girl, and I, and I apologized. I said, I said, young girl, I read her name. I said, I, I'm so sorry. I, I can't deliver you. But I know this. The Father loves you so much. Mm. He loves you so much. And, man, all of a sudden, whew, this golden stuff that I encountered before overcame us. And all of a sudden, the two eye, the demon eyes just went back into her head, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, I realized that she was cognitive. And I said, did you feel that? She goes, yes. And I said, can you understand me? Because up to this point, she couldn't even talk. Only the demon would talk. I couldn't get her to communicate. And finally, I'm in contact with the young girl. And I said, that was God's love for you. And I said, do you want to, do you want to be free of this demon? She goes, yes. I, she go, I said, would you cooperate with me and let his love wash out everything that the demons did to you? Yes. And that's, you know, so she got delivered. She screamed, fell on the floor. And that 45, and I gave her to the women because she was pretty stinky, pretty messed up mm-hmm. and gave her to some, some uh, sisters that, that were there. They cleaned her up. I saw about 45 minutes later, she was the most beautiful young girl you'd ever seen. I mean, beautiful. And she hugged me and you know, she was fine. And what I learned out of that is like, okay, the devil's got scripture, right? Mm-hmm. He's got authority. He's got power. He, I mean, he has everything that we have, except what? Except love. Except love. Wow. And it was the love of the father that delivered that girl. And from that point on, that became my ministry tool for everything. When you get saved, fathers love you. When you get healed, fathers love you. When you get delivered, fathers love because yeah. it's his love that dissipates or displaces. I, I have my own theology and I make up my own words because I don't know where else to get it, <laughs> but I call it the theology of displacement. Mm-hmm. So he displaces what the enemy does. And that's what, that's what first John three, eight says he's come to Luo destroy the works of the enemy, which wow. is, which is a word is to untie or to lift off the works of the enemy. That's why Jesus came. And so the goal now is not trying to get people into heaven. It's trying to get heaven into people, right? We've heard that yeah. so many times, but there's, that's so true. Yeah, that's so true. And it was the love of the father that touched that. And she was, you know, at that point, she, I did lead her to the Lord. Let her, I said, that's Jesus. You know, that's God's love. And it's in Jesus. And if you receive him, he'll protect you, take care of you. She goes, oh, I want him, you know, yeah. and led her to the Lord. But it was, it was the love of God that broke the, the power of the enemy. Because it's the only thing the enemy doesn't have that we do. And so that's why Paul says nothing is really Nothing works and lifts. It's it's faith working through 
love. love. Wow. So anyway, that's what burns in my heart. You can tell I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. But to me, this is the gospel. Yeah. This is the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And, that, and that's why Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come, right? Let your kingdom come to this place. What's on the earth with heavens, values. Yeah. Theology of displacement. Love it. <laughs> I love that. Wow. What a powerful story. Yeah. What a powerful story. Yeah. And I've, and I've got many others that, you know, from that point on in, in ministry, how that's just changed people's lives. Yeah. You know? that, that was 2005? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I know my mom went to Brazil with uh, Randy Clark. And she has some crazy stories from that yeah. too. Just you know, she was part of the healing uh, tent right. team, and yeah. um, her and a couple others from my church growing up uh, went. Yeah. And it's just powerful. Some of the yeah. stuff. Well, like, I mean, it wasn't for Randy, I wouldn't be in ministry. Yeah. So uh, you know, because Randy, at the point that I came into ministry, um, he was preaching the little old me's. Like the little old me's can do the stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was this little old me. You know, and poor self-esteem didn't think I could do anything. And when I met Randy and started traveling with him and, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can do this stuff too. And that's really how I, I got involved in ministry and becoming a pastor and evangelist and traveling the world. And everything that I'm doing now is because Randy amazing. believed in me. It's amazing. So little old me's can do this stuff. Just, yeah. just, you just need the father's love to, to equip you. Yeah. Everyone I've, I've met who has, who has, either traveled with randy or been part of the school always has a high level of oh yeah love, of love yeah. right and joy I, and joy that right well, i always tell people you know what are what is the characteristics of an apostle and you know people say well you know they've got all kind of power power and miracles and they build three thousand churches and all this stuff yeah that's true but what i found out a true apostle is the one that makes you feel like you're the only person in the room because yeah. I've met them. You know, I've traveled with life. I've traveled with Heidi Baker, with Bill Johnson, with Randy Clark in the early years before they were super, super mega famous, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's how I, that's how I know an apostle is, is that you feel, you feel that love so deep that you feel like you're the only person in the room that you're the, like their best friend. Yeah. You know, like they're just happy to be with you rather than, Okay, well, I've got I've got a meeting to go. Well, I've got to pray for other people. See, you know, that push away feeling. You never get that with someone like Randy. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. I like, and that's like something that I admire. That I, you know, I've asked God, like God, like you know, I would love to be a person that people just like, you know, like almost like teach me God to like be that person because yeah. I know that there's times where I'm like. I'd rather be doing this or doing that. And like, there's right. moments I'm in the room with somebody and like my mind just travels and I don't know how to always stop that. And, uh, and I want people to feel God's love when they're with me. And right. sometimes that's difficult for me. And, yeah. um, you know, and sometimes I like, will try to put on this facade that that is who I am. And, and right. it feels like sometimes it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not always living out that, person i i know that god is calling me to be right well Athan athanasius who i love because i love early church fathers yeah athanasius said to know to be a christian is to know the father mm. as god to know god as a father but he said that the father son relationship is generative meaning that it's it's like we've been taught in our evangelical conservative christianity well not saying so and so i got saved and i got a Gideon Bible, and I wrote there, I got saved. Now, you know, that's my testimony. And you think that that's a one-time encounter. Mm. But that's not true. We're, we're to have encounters, you know, constantly. It might not be every day. It might not be every week, every month. But it be it should be something that we're open to because it's in the encounters that we know him. And that's what causes us not to be fake. Because yeah. I'm with you. There's some days where I'm fake. Like, all I can do is act like I know what I'm talking about. But there's some days my heart's empty, you yeah. know, and the only I tell you, the only authority that we have is who we influence. And the only anointing we have is what life is flowing out from us from him. And mm -hmm. people can tell the difference. Absolutely. You can be, you can be a great, you know, theologian and, and have, you know, three PhDs behind your name. But if you don't have him as the living water 
rushing out of your heart, then people won't receive it. And I say this as a father to all the sons, be yourself and do it with him. You can't be any other thing than what he's called you to be. But if you'll, I think, uh, who was it? Sam Clemens, somebody, some famous guy said the two greatest days in life are the day you were born and the day that you find out who you, why you were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I've heard like, that. A, like if you'll minister out of the, the, well, authenticity, authenticity is your heart. Like you want to be authentic. Okay. That's the anointing that you're carrying. If you keep carrying that anointing, however you, teach, you, you can teach any th- subject, but if you teach it out of the, out of your knowing of what's authentic, that living relation that you have will come out and it will actually, it will actually feed people and encourage them. And wow. you'll be a drink to the thirsty. Because wow. that's all we're called to be is, is to be some living bread and a drink to the thirsty. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're all hungry and we're all thirsty. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Right? All of us, you know. I just want more, Lord. Yeah. And, uh, but we can be that to other people. It really, We really can be. Mm-hmm. And when he gives us that opportunity, then, you know, we get the privilege of, of co-laboring with him. I, I remember uh, Rob and I, Rob and I go to this one restaurant and uh, the, um, the waiter who waits on us almost every time we're there, she would come over. She was, I don't know what it is about you guys, but I feel so safe when I'm with you. Now, of course, we're wow. a couple old guys. She's younger, but she could sense the anointing and the love in our lives. And she, and she would just be drawn to us. And of course, eventually we gave her a copy of the book and you know, loved her and prayed for her. Yeah. But anyway. Wow. That's, that's what I think I know. It. Yeah. That's what I think I know. I love it. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still open. Yeah, me too. I, I constantly want to be in wonder. That's that's the word yeah. I use. Like, and that's, that's why I told people I preach from a place of wonder. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I do get those chances to preach, it's like in dive right. in, it's like always in a place of wonder and just, just drawing in on who God is and his love right. for me. And, uh, I think it's just so important. So, yeah. um, I just have one more question and then, uh, I want you to be able to tell people where to find you and where to buy your book and, uh, be able to dive in more. But, right. um, because, uh, this is what I ask everybody on my podcast, uh, the word right. authentic or authenticity um, to you. How do you, um, how would you define living an authentic life? Right. Well, when I, my, my mission statement for my church was called, I, the mission statement was be yourself, but do it with God. Mm-hmm. See, and that's the key is being you like you're, you're a son created so uniquely in the image of God, and that as you know him, you know yourself and why you were created. That's the yeah. goal for us, all of us to find. And when you're all like, in other words, yeah, I might make up words, you know, yeah. I, I might stutter, I might not have all my information correctly, but anyone that knows me knows that I'm authentic. Yeah. They know it because I am. Yeah. I love being me. I'm not, I don't want to be you. I don't want to be Bill Johnson. I don't want to be Leif Fetland. I want to be Doug Johnson. Yeah. You know, because the father's pleased with me. And when I find that authentic pleasure from the father that he's pleased with me, then out of his pleasure, then I can be authentic. It's like, I think I can't remember the exact scripture. I think it's John 16, 23, not sure. But Jesus said something quite unusual. And the Greek, the, the Greek word for love is four different words. I won't go into it. But he uses the word phileo in this one passage. He says, because you phileo me, Mm. the father phileos you. That's it. That's a relational, intimate, friend, loving relationship that flows out of agape, which I always say agape is is the principle. Phileo is the pleasure. Wow. Like I'm commanded to agape you. You might be a, a total crackpot you know yeah but if i continue to agape you eventually what will happen is i'll find the real authentic you and guess what it's going to turn from agape to phileo wow we become friends and we have relationship it's relational experiential so that's that's my definition of being authentic love it that's awesome (laughs) everybody has something different and that's why i keep asking i love that 
Yeah, because there's no formulas. You know, we keep trying to come oh. up with formulas. This is what a sun should look like. Well, you know, I'm unique. I, and I love being unique. I yeah, love me that. too. And I think being authentic is so important. Yeah. In fact, I have a, a spiritual son and daughter that actually has a um, a YouTube channel called Authentic Christianity. Really? So that's how influenced I'll look them. into it. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Love so, that. So, so. Where can people keep up with you in all this, all this uh, father yeah. son theology, and uh, you know, yeah. where can they find it? Yeah, well, you know, I've never been. I've always kind of been like low, like flying low. I've never mm-hmm. self promoted myself. It's like I just keep every morning and say yes, Lord, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like this, you know. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever the whatever the Father brings to my path, I just say yes. So. I'm not like I've got a schedule, you know, I say the best thing is just find me on Facebook. Yeah. Douglas Wayne Johnson, you know, and you can contact me there. Awesome. And you can go on, on Kindle to buy Robert and I's book. And a lot of my stories, I I tell, actually, I tell a lot of my stories. I'm a storyteller. I I think the best way to preach the gospel is, is through story stories. And I think, I think it's important. And this is the difference between being, um, self-promoting and giving your testimony. Self-promoting is trying to trying to get something from other people that you don't have yet. Mm. Testimony is what you have right now. That's great, right? So, yeah. so like uh, I love Bill Johnson's teaching, the power of the testimony. So it's our testimonies that position us in a place that we can really be the authentic, unique sons and daughters because when i say sons i'm really speaking to daughters too right right i don't want this to be a you know just a male dominated ideology it's it's right sons and daughters but um well anyway that's that's how you get a hold of me or contact you yeah (laughs) awesome (laughs) yeah i mean i i mean i just want to encourage anybody listening to buy that book i'm definitely buying your buying the book um right after we get off on here and uh um incredible uh i've yeah. just enjoyed my time speaking with you uh, right. today and uh, i'm sure everybody that's listening right now is is blessed and touched by it and i hope so yeah i well, hope people you know my heart is for people in their you know we're so unique i mean you know some people need to go out in the woods in silence to find the father some people mm-hmm. need like and when i say spiritual encounter i'm also talking to intellectuals yeah I mean, I love theology. I mean, I have wept. I mean, I've read this word and God, and Holy Spirit shows me a revelation. You know, I'm doing some study in Greek or Hebrew and I find a word. I cry. I mean, it's experience. Yeah. It's experiential. So I'm just not saying, you know, some weird ethereal encounter. I mean, they're right. good too. I mean, I've had visions and dreams and all that kind of stuff, but it's however you encounter him is where you need to go, whether yeah. it's in worship, whether it's out in the woods, whether it's studying, or you can have an encounter through me. I mean, I'm an encounter. If you meet me, it's an encounter. Yeah. You know, and we should be encounters. Yeah. I agree. As we live. So anyway, that's that's what I think I know Josiah at this point in my life. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Right. Well, I think um, your papa did a good job. I'm already proud of you. Now I've only known you for a few minutes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> my parents, you know, they're they're running. My dad's in, oh no, he should be getting back from my he's on a plane right now back from Miami. He's yeah, he's uh pastor to pastors. Um right, right now. That's his that's his call. And right. um what he's, he's doing. He's a father. So, he knows what I'm father. talking about. Oh yeah. Right. Every oh, yeah. son becomes a father, but you can't become a father unless you first learn to be a son. Yeah, that's a great word. That's a great word. Good. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're most welcome, Josiah. I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, well, I have, um, and I'll probably cut it before uh, now with our conversation, but uh, I just want to say, like, I would love to keep in touch. Um, sure. And uh, I've just really enjoyed uh, this. And I love Aaron. Um, right. He he speaks highly of you. Um, yeah. and well, see, one of my I... spiritual sons is his uncle, yeah. who is Peter Newberger, who, I mean, he's changed in Africa. Yeah. Yep. You yep. know, so Peter's amazing, man. He's like, but, you know, like I say, I had a part of that journey. So I get the dividends from all my sons. See, now I can go fishing, retire, right. kick back, and I'm getting all these dividends through my sons and daughters. 
Love it. That I've influenced. That's so, awesome. Yeah, man. I got a stockpile in heaven, man. It's great. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. <laughs> I, should, I should come fishing with you. So I, I just got my fishing license. My father-in-law yeah. is an incredible fisherman. Okay. Um, he's incredible at everything. Um, but he uh he is just uh he's teaching me to fish. I right. got my first fish a couple of weeks ago now. So right. just a you know, a little two-pound largemouth bass. Nice. So, well, you know, it's just like you know, a fisherman, you know, when Jesus said, I'll make you fishermen of men, yeah, that really enlarges your scope of what Jesus said when you were a fisherman. Yeah, <laughs> it's the time of day. It's the bait you're using. It's the temperature. It's the season. There's so many attributes, and that's how we have to deal with people. We just can't go out there and cast a hook and try to pull them in. We have to have the right bait, the right time, the right season, the right weather. Wow, that's good. That. That's a word yeah. right there. Oh, it is, man. I'm telling you, it's because a lot of it is just bait and hook. Exactly. Right now, yeah. right. So, yeah. There's a time not to go fishing, and there's a time to go fishing. Love that. <laughs> that's great awesome yeah well anytime you want to revelate just call me just you know, tell eric because eric he called called me a couple weeks ago yeah and we were talking yeah if you ever want to revelate on something just give me a call absolutely i'm working on a, a book right now um called expand and it's about expanding your comfort zone right um expanding your reach and because i feel like god kind of revealed this thing to me of you know i want you to have necessary comfort in what you do though you know like so it's, you know it's that verse you know trials and tribulations may come your way but it's like knowing right. he's there you right. know and, and in it i'm eventually i'm going to write about you know being prepared for the times when that discomfort comes knowing where to look to and um and then building and praying for boldness to go out right. and then right. uh and i talk about um uh steven who's being stoned and right. uh, I love that story. He's looking up at the heavens and seeing the father and, right. and like, yeah, in, in, in an uncomfortable situation, but his eyes are on the father and the, right. the overwhelming love and comfort he felt in that. So um, I'm excited about that book. Um, That's awesome. I've been thinking about it for the past year and a half. Um, and now I'm, you know, just finished writing chapter two and stuff. So I would love your, right you know, to send you some yeah. stuff, maybe. Sure. I'd book. love to see it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I'd love to, if you want to um, message me your address, I'd love to send you my, my book. I have sure. too. I have it right here. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to read it. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. I'll put it on the pile of books. I'm reading I'm, I'm surrounded by books and I, I'll read about half of a book and I go, okay, I, I got that. Well, and I'll go to another book and I'm. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Right. But that's how you got to stay fresh. So you got to read, you got to, you, you got to be involved in yeah. people's lives. And so you're doing a good job. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Doug Johnson. And yeah, I just, you know, I loved having him on the episode. I hope to continue my relationship with him and have more conversations because, wow, I just, that's the great thing about this podcast right now is like I am talking to people that I've wanted to talk to for a long time. And he was one of them. We've been friends on Facebook for a long time, mutual acquaintances and friends. And just seeing his posts, I'm like, man, I got to get in a room with this guy. I got to get on the phone with him. I just want to have a conversation with him. And this podcast has given me an outlet to do that. So in a way, it's like, great for me but also you get to hear these conversations as well and i'm glad that you get to hear them so um just a great guy please go ahead and share this podcast go and rate it share with your friends this really helps push this episode and this podcast up there for people to hear um and yeah it really helps me out so to keep this podcast going and get uh more and more people that i know you want to hear from so with that here's our new segment Pick and Flick with a review on Gran Turismo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pick and Flick. 
uh, podcast segment on Your Authentic Life, talking about movies and my reviews on them. A uh, little backstory for me. I love movies. I, you know, I just enjoy movies, going to the theaters, having that experience. Um, and so I figured, why not start doing movie reviews? And that's why I'm here. I'm going to be doing new movies. Recently, I've just been going to all the recent movies. It is the summer, uh, so movies are coming out. And so this movie today, I wanted to see as soon as I saw there was a trailer for it. Based on a true story, Gran Turismo, uh, an event that happened based on the video game. If you ever grew up uh, playing with PlayStation, you definitely had your hands on this game at some point. Gran Turismo, a simulator game uh, to some degree. Uh, you were able to use it on controllers as well, but there was uh, wheels created for it, and they kept making it over and over again with PlayStation. Uh, there was a man who decided he wanted to take the best players of the Gran Turismo game and put them in, in and behind a real race car and go on real racetracks that they have done in the video game and train them to become the next best racer. They made a movie on this with the same title, Gran Turismo. It is starring, uh, it is starring the guy from Stranger Things. It is uh, David Harbour, and he, you know, he plays he plays that that sheriff guy. He okay. Before I get into it, he was incredible in this movie. David Harbour was just wonderful. He played a character named Jack Salter, who was. Um, a former racer and now engineer on cars. Um, he was the one that was training all these different kids to uh, get behind the race wheel. Had a lot of doubts, it, but he he did an incredible job in this movie. Orlando Bloom was also in it, the guy who plays Legolas in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he played Danny Moore, the guy with a vision of this entire project. And then Archie, um, I want to mispronounce this, Mattaque. He played John uh, Mardenboro. Uh, the story that this uh, centers around the the kid who became a race car driver uh, by playing <laughs> the Gran Turismo video game. Uh, wow. So as I would say, this movie was just it was nonstop. You were on the edge of your seat. It was electrifying. It was just worth watching. Great production. Great storyline. True story. Uh, and it's very engaging. I would give it a uh, 7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 63% out of 100. IMDb gives it a 7.4 out of 10. And just nonstop, great film. Uh, overall, incredible. Only criticism I really have with it would be the father-son relationship, though in real life there's probably a struggle in the f um, knowing those kind of relationships. Uh, the it was seemed really forced in the movie the father son relationship which if you go and see it you'll know what I'm talking about if you have seen it um, just seemed a little bit forced and unrealistic in some ways but was a very subplot to the overall story um, trying to make his dad proud his dad not knowing his true dreams kind of story this isn't giving really anything away but it, it it seemed like it was forced and tried to be a central point of a, of the movie, but it really wasn't at all. The central point was about this kid doubting himself, doubting himself and that he could actually do it, um, and that he wanted to give up in the crash. There was a and 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 I'm not giving that away. If you've seen the trailer, there is a crash in it, um, and he's like, I don't know if I can continue this, and it's, it's about overcoming that. Um, it's a true story. So again. I'm not giving anything away with true story. I'm not going to give any big spoilers away, but there's one quote in it that David Harbour gives and it is so inspiring. And when you watch it, you're gonna be like, wow, like it makes sense. Like, and it's probably something that's been said in movies before, but for some reason, the way it was played out, like you can take a cliche, like if you're a movie director or a writer and you can take a, a freaking cliche of a, of a you know inspiring quote take this cliche thing and make it into a different viewpoint masterful way that it is presented you get an a in my book because it is so difficult to make a movie based on a true story not that i have experience doing this but i can imagine 
based on a true story. You put your own creative element into it, and an an awe aspiring uh, storyline without having cliches that are just like, oh, here's the cliche of David versus Goliath, or or you know, get back up on your feet if you fall. Like it's like it's so cliche, but if you can do that in a way that's new and present it to inspire you people incredible and that's what i believe this director did um storyline obviously it's based on a true story but there's going to be some creative elements in it uh, overall i enjoyed the film i enjoyed you know i got in my car after and all i wanted to do was drive <laughs> and um in my little honda accord i just wanted to drive took it off the econ mode and i was like i'm going fast um don't worry guys i don't i don't encourage speeding i'm not for that but um this movie will you'll be you'll be amped up about this movie um neil uh blomkamp i really don't know i haven't seen much from this director but he he really did well at presenting this story so go and see that um i'm learning this whole pick and flick i want to be able to give these reviews in the best way possible um give you a little feedback on it and try to tell you my views without giving it away but just little snippets and i hope you enjoy this week's episode of pick and flick with gran turismo 